Well, good morning, church. Our online viewers and True Worth, good morning to you too. It is so cool to connect with you in this way, like Jeff said. My name is Cheyenne Davis. I serve here on staff as the Director of Parent Ministries. And what that means is I try my best to equip parents uh, to be the spiritual leaders of their home. And I love all the uncomfortable conversations we get to have. Um, This is my first message to big people. Don't take offense to that. And what I mean by that is since 2010, I have had the honor and privilege of serving kids ministry and students ministry. Um, Since 2010, I get to share what God has in store for them and God's love for them. And it is absolutely amazing. So I have been hanging out with them all of this time. I am super excited to share the story with you today, though, because I love a good Cinderella story. Anybody like a good Cinderella story? Yeah. And this story, I don't think, gets a lot of attention because who wants to follow the birth of Jesus, right? Like, that's a big deal. But I think in our life, like, we experience the same thing. Like, we're all building momentum to this season where Jesus is coming. I mean, just think about what Mary and Joseph went through. And I believe our life is full of being in and out of waiting rooms. Let's kind of catch up to that. So Mary was told she's gonna have a super special baby, right? No pressure, Mary. Moms, can you relate to that? And then Joseph is told, hey, Joseph, that super special baby that your fiance is pregnant with is not yours. No pressure, Joseph, right? Now, they didn't have the baby the next day. They had a season of waiting where God was working in the background. And when I think of our life and us being in and out of waiting rooms, I start to think, how well do you and I trust God is at work while we wait? It's easy to see him here, right? But in the valleys and in the wait, how aware are we of him? And that's how we're going to kind of unpack the story today. Now, the story that we have, and we're going to walk the aisles. If you need a Bible, please raise your hand high. We want to put a Bible in your hands. If you have a smartphone, I'm going to trust you to use it. I would not tell our students this. But you can use your Bible app, Version. I love Version. It's like Christian Google. Um, but we're going to go to Luke chapter 2. And the entire story is verse 22 through 40, but we're going to really just highlight a couple of sections, because then this is a really good story, and we can look at it from a lot of different ways, um, how we have relationships, how we truly found our faith in our lives, but we are going to specifically look at this passage through the lens of how well you and I wait while God is at work. And we get to meet two people, and their names are Simeon and Anna. Say, Simeon and Anna. Yeah. So let's go ahead and turn to Luke chapter 2. And I'm actually going to pick up in verse 25, where we really get to meet Simeon. And when we think about being in the waiting room of life, these are two people that I think got waiting really well, because they trusted God was working even when they couldn't tell anything was happening. So in 25, we see, now there was a man in Jerusalem called Simeon, 
who was righteous and devout. He was waiting for the consolation of Israel, and the Holy Spirit was on him. Before we move to 26, have any of you ever had moments in your life where you're like, please, Holy Spirit, just rest on me? Yes, I'm having one right now. And 26, we read on to say, it had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not die before he had seen the Lord's Messiah, and some of your versions may say Christ. Let's pause there. What a very specific waiting room that the Holy Spirit has called Simeon to. You're not going anywhere until you see the Lord's Messiah. As we go on, we see that he's moved by the Spirit. He went into the temple courts. Mary and Joseph had brought him into the courts where, of course, he finds Simeon. Simeon took him into his arms and praised God, saying, Sovereign Lord, as you have promised, now dismiss your servant in peace. For my eyes have seen your salvation, and that's where we're going to stop. So let me, let me backtrack a little bit. The temple isn't like when you and I walked into Pathway today with its six main entrances, okay? The temple is a lot of buildings and a lot of open courts spread out over 35 acres. This is days after Jesus was born. How many of us want to go wandering over 35 acres to find a baby? No takers? Me either. But wouldn't you know it, as God would have it, when it's time for me and you to have an encounter with Jesus, you just find each other, just like Simeon and Anna did. And Simeon could have done a lot of things while he waited for God to show up, but he waited beautifully for what God had in store for him. Let's go ahead and look at Miss Anna. In verse 36, Anna was a prophetess. She's the daughter of Penuel of the tribe of Asher. She was very old. She had lived with her husband seven years after her marriage. And then was a widow until she was 84. She never left the temple but worshiped night and day, fasting and praying. Coming up to them at that very moment, she gave thanks to God and spoke about the child to all who were looking forward to the redemption of Jerusalem. Here's what I want to highlight about Anna. You and I will process grief very differently because we all bring something different to the table. But I am certain at some point, all of us will experience grief in some way. And grief can be experienced in a lot of ways. Maybe loss of a job that you've had for decades, loss of a loved one, loss of a responsibility, loss of purpose. Grief happens in lots of ways. But I love what Anna did. In her grief, she just showed up to worship and to wait for what God had in store for her. And she wasn't even like Simeon. Like, Simeon had a defined waiting room, right? Like, hey, you're going to have to see Jesus first. Anna was just waiting. And so this is how I like to unpack scripture. So this is our story and the basis of what we're going to reference all morning. Um, but I look at scripture when I read a story a couple of different ways. And the main way is I say, how do you see yourself in the story that you're reading? So how do you and I see ourselves in comparison or in relation to Simeon and Anna? And I always find one of two things. One, that by the guidance of God, I'm not doing terribly. Or by the grace of God, I have a, a lot of opportunities to do better with how I wait for what the Lord has in store. 
And so when I get to that point and I realize, hey, I don't have a lot of similarities with, with Simeon and Anna. How has God shown up? And how have I trusted that God is at work while I'm waiting for him to do what I know he's going to do? And of course, as I start processing my story through Simeon and Anna's story, the pride in me is like, I'm not so bad at this weight thing on this side of my relationship of following Jesus. And then God does that thing where he shows you that moment where he's like, oh, but there's something you can grow from. And here's that moment. I have two amazing kids. I have a middle schooler and an elementary age kids. And so this may sound crazy, but when they get in trouble, I'm like, oh, yay, teaching moment. Because they're really good kids. And I'm like, yes, we had a moment. I may have mom goggles. I'm not really sure. Matt can check me on that later. Um, but on this day in question, it was just me and Addie. And she was four at the time. Raise your hand if you're familiar with Burleson, Texas. Yeah, thank you very much. You may know exactly where I'm talking about. In the beautiful town of Burleson, Texas, there is an intersection that I like to refer to as the Bermuda intersection. I have not seen people lost or disappear from this intersection, but I have seen time after time people lose their minds there. It's Wilshire and Summercrest, and it turns into gardens, and then there's Johnson. Like, that place is a show. If you want to go capture some humanity on film and post it on YouTube, like, that's where you need to go and sit. So we're here at this intersection, at the Bermuda intersection, and we're waiting. And I'm just hanging out. We're going to go pick up Bubs. And from the back seat, my sweet little four-year-old daughter screams, and this man growl, come on, people. And I had my mom goggles on definitely then because I was like, she did not hear that from me at all. Um, so I turned around. I said, Adeline, patience. Like, where did you hear that? And so I did what I'm sure no spouse has ever done. And I called and I passive aggressively accused my husband. <laughs> and listen, I know passive aggressive gets a pretty bad rap, but... You can ask Matt Davis. I, I was aggressive, aggressive in a portion of our marriage. Also not a winning scenario. So God's working on me through my marriage. I'm aware of that. But our conversation sounded a little bit like this. Hey, Matt Davis, your daughter, because you know they're always theirs when they've done something wrong or embarrassed you, your daughter said this into oncoming traffic. Do you know where she could have got that from? And Matt has always been so patient and so gracious. And he just paused and he said, huh, did she now? <laughs> so my interrogations to my husband and to my spouse and to my four-year-old were going terribly. So I just kind of left it alone. Days later, we were at the Bermuda intersection again. Addie and I are going to go pick up bubs and out of my mouth without any prompting. Can you guess the phrase that came out of my mouth? <laughs> Come on, people. And I turned around because I was hoping Addie didn't hear it. And she already had her hands over her mouth saying, oh, mom, it was you. <laughs> and so I had to call and apologize to my husband because I accused him in front of her as well. And I guess that's just what you do when you do that. And I called and said, hey, Matt Davis, remember way back in the day when I might have accused you for influencing our daughter like this? He just paused and he said, hmm, how about that? So now, you and I, online viewers, True Worth, we all know that did she now means that she probably got that from you. 
And um, how about that means, welcome to the world I live in. <laughs> so why do I tell you that? Because it's not my desire when I wake up in the morning to show my kids and my husband what it looks like to be selfish and impatient. But screaming at strangers and oncoming traffic leaves very little room for interpretation. And I think, even with our best intentions, sometimes you and I can get a lot wrong while we wait for what God is working in our lives. And so I thought, if we look at the story of Simeon and Anna, how, how can we really look at this in a way that we can understand that God truly is waiting? How can we trust that God is at work while we wait? And there's five seasons, and this is where we get to use our handy-dandy message notes. I thought of five seasons that can cue us that, man, God may not be working as fast as we want him to, but I promise you while we are waiting, he is at work. And that first season in your message notes, number one, God shows up in the waiting room of celebration. This is an easy one. At weddings, at anniversaries, at retirement parties, any celebration. Just think about the season that we just left. The birth of Jesus, we're building, building, building. Oh, it is so easy to experience God's presence in the moment of celebration. And those moments are beautiful, and man, we are thankful for those. But I'm gonna camp out at a few other seasons a little bit longer and move on to number two. And God shows up in the waiting room of rescue. I know that there's a lot of things that we can be rescued from, but specifically today, I want to talk about maybe some things that we need to be rescued from that may be self-inflicted. Because sometimes you and I can focus on money. Sometimes we can focus on food. Sometimes we can focus on other people more than what God's trying to tell us. Sometimes we fixate and obsess on the wrong things. And we land ourselves in a position to where we might need to be rescued a little bit. Has anybody ever landed there or is it just me? And when I think about the story of Christmas, it's all about rescue. You know, from creation, God had this beautiful plan in place. And we were like, oh, this looks like more fun. Or your plan's taking too long in chaos. And then so God has this next plan. I'm going to send Jesus. And through the arrival of Jesus, Operation Rescue was a go. Here's my personal story on that. I think when we find ourselves in the waiting room of rescue, sometimes it's doorkeepers or boredom and distraction. And it makes me think of 15-year-old me. Are you all okay if I get super real with y'all and personal with y'all? Yeah? I was probably going to do it even if you said no. Um, but boredom and distraction. And that was me at 15. Bored, distracted, with absolute freedom. Do you think that's a great combination for a teenager? Oh, it was bad. It was so bad. And even though I had an amazing life, straight A's, involved in all the things, I was able to start living a double life. And starting at 15, I started a closet addiction. And now, contrary to what Matt Davis will say about our actual closet, this does not mean I'm addicted to closets. It just means 
that I found something that I could hide really well. Starting at 15, every year, I graduated to a little bit something harder. Until I was 20, I found something that I could not keep in the closet anymore. And see, at 15, I knew God had a plan for me, but I was like, God, your plan, like, I'm not sure if it's gonna involve as much fun as they're having. And so I went and did my own thing. But at 21, I found my last addiction. I kept a journal and I slept maybe 14 days in three years. An addiction makes you think and believe very interesting things about yourself. I have always had a blessed life. But in the middle of my addiction, I thought, there is nothing better than living for myself and living for the moment and satisfying the now. This is how I want to live the rest of my life. Thank goodness God rescues us even when we don't want to be. Because in the middle of my addiction, literally, physically, metaphorically at 22, I heard this phrase in my head and I believe it's the only time I've ever heard God speak. And the phrase was, just ask me to take this against your will. That is an odd statement for me. Because although I have been four foot 11 for the majority of my life, I've always thought I was 10 feet tall and bulletproof. You still can't tell me otherwise. The statement was so odd that I repeated it. And as soon as I repeated it, God rescued me. And since 2004, I have been clean without any distractions or any boredom existing in the plan that God has for me. Why do I share that with you? Our stories may not be similar, but God, he sent Jesus on a rescue mission for all of us. What is it that you need to be rescued from? Sometimes it is as simple as our attitudes. Because how we think and feel about the world and about God's plan, man, maybe it's not as good as our plan. Sometimes we need to be rescued from relationships. Don't raise your hand, especially if you brought them. Sometimes you need to be rescued from toxic relationships, you know? Maybe it's depression, anxiety, rage. Like if we're truly going to buy into the fact that God sent Jesus for all of us, he sent him here to rescue us from something, what is it that he is trying to rescue you from? Reflect on that this week. And you know, sometimes we don't need to experience, you know, that life-saving rescue. Sometimes we just need to experience something different. Maybe our circle of friends are not speaking life into us the way we need them to. Maybe it's us. Maybe we're not speaking life into the people around us like God's calling us to. Maybe it's not a rescue. Maybe we just need to experience something different. Number three, God shows up in the waiting room of grief. So grief is a booger. Can you say yes to that? Yeah. 
because there are some twists and turns of grief. But I will tell you, I love connecting with people that are grieving. Because there is an openness and a realness and a rawness and a transparency when you visit with people that are grieving that you can literally just try it sometime. You can literally see God moving and weaving in and out of the moments and stories of those that are still here. Grieving is hard, but man, it is beautiful as well because you can see God moving. And if you have ever lost someone before, we have something here called Grief Share. I am an advocate of Grief Share. I went to Grief Share six years after my dad died, and it is a game changer. So if you have lost anyone in any span of your lifetime, please stop by Next Steps as soon as the service is over. We would love to connect you and get you started on a path of healing. Um, but God shows up in the waiting room of grief. And I'll tell my, my personal, my make it personal story here. My last living parent died October 4th, this last October. And um, see, I was wrapped up in addiction when my first parent died. So I didn't remember a whole lot. But there was a clear beginning of her end of life last November. Matt and I knew it. She started giving away all of her valuable things that she's treasured. My mom was a world traveler. She was extra as well. Like, she was a character. Um, she was even banned from a country. I'd love to share that story with you sometime. <laughs> she was just a lot of fun. That was my mom. Um, but, man, that last year of life was hard. She started talking about her end-of-life plans, which, by the way, is the best gift you can give to anyone that you leave behind is just a list, a plan of your last living wishes. It's awkward, it's uncomfortable, nobody wants to have it, but man, it's so cool to watch how God shows up in that. But it was her last year life. And I grew up, shout out to them, in a one traffic light town called Timson, Texas. Population less than a thousand. I loved that sweet little town, and I am so happy to say nothing's changed there at all. But you can imagine that a woman that had grown up in this town and chose to raise her child in this town of 50 years, she had a huge support system. So even though I was here and she was four hours away, her support system was huge, and that meant the blessing for us was big. Because at all times, there was someone surrounding her, making sure that she understood she was loved. But as her emergencies started getting closer together, our schedule intensified. We were in five states in 30 days. Now, that's not a lot for some of you, but for this homebody, it is. We just knew in that season that we had to get her closer here. So she had two good days. And in those two days, we moved her from her tiny town, her huge support system, to big old Burleson, Texas, population more than 35,000. And I remember telling one of my mentors in a moment of fear, like an, it was unexpected fear. I was like, I didn't realize how scared I would be that I have moved her away from her support system. How is God going to show up in her life now? It can't just be me. 
I'm terrible at showing her God's love. You know? How is he going to do that? And wouldn't you know, God just shows up in the waiting room of our grief, in the literal waiting room of her last emergency, and she had a series of strokes. She was paralyzed. But in the literal waiting room of her last emergency, breezed through the door, Denise Gales. She attends here from Pathway. And she said a statement that immediately washed over me, and I knew that God was with me. I had told one of my mentors, um, I just feel like I'm, I'm going to be alone here, and she's going to be alone here. He came through the ER doors soon after she did. And wouldn't you know that the tiny church um, that my mom and dad went to, the pastor that was at the side of my dad when he died, he pastors a church here in Burleson. He came to see her too. When we got her to the floor, there was an ICU nurse that had brought her flowers, and I looked at the name, and I was like, oh my gosh, she goes to Pathway. The two people that saved her life in the waiting room, they were members of Pathway. God shows up in the most out-of-the-box ways to comfort us in our grief. And here's what I don't want us to miss. In our grief, sometimes we just want to shut it all out. Because if we feel one thing, we're fearful that we may feel too much. But I really want to encourage you that God moves in some of the mightiest of ways in our grief Are you paying attention to the people around you? Do you have the right people in place around you? Are we trusting God is at work while we wait in the waiting room of grief? Number four, God shows up in the waiting room of tension. Hey, speaking of, let's create some tension right now. On January 27th, we actually have a parenting class to talk to parents so they can talk to their kids about how to have the talk. If that doesn't create tension in your seat, I don't know what will. But it is January 27th. We invite you to come. We have a good time. We have two parent mentors that lead us on that. Uh, Becky Prince also hangs out there. So I know you're going to have a great time if you decide to come. But God does. He shows up in the waiting room of tension. And there's a lot of different tension scenarios that we can look at. But we're going to look at it from the perspective of the people in our lives. Have you ever had relationships in your life that just created tension? I won't make you raise your hand because you might have brought them with you today. You're welcome. And I've heard time after time, and sometimes I even feel this way too, and I will be brutally honest. Like, who in here, raise your hand if you love people. Yeah. Raise your hand if you love serving people. Man, me too. Raise your hand if you just like connecting and talking to people. Yeah, me too. But raise your hand. Actually, don't. Let's not do that. But have you ever, have you ever said, man, what I do would just be so much easier if I didn't have to deal with people? Because as interesting as we are, we bring some fun baggage to conversations and relationships, and it causes tension. And I want to remind you that even in your most tense of relationships, that God sent Jesus to relieve the tension on all fronts even in our relationship. I've talked about my mom, and I'm going to talk about her some more because that was the most tense relationship of my life. Don't raise your hand. Don't look or point. But have you ever had a relationship in your life where it should have been the closest person, your biggest advocate, 
but instead it caused the most tension in your life. That was me and my mom. She loved me. She raised me wild and free. I love her for that. But there was tension. We ghosted each other often. You can Google it later. It's a real thing. Um, And I remember telling one of my mentors, man, if she is my ticket into heaven, I forfeit it every single time I am near her. Because when you tell me I need to love my neighbor like myself, I can't do it with her. I just can't. And my mentor's so wise and smart. And he chuckles at me often, but he chuckled on this day. And he said, good thing that God didn't send Jesus based on your perfection or mine. And I said, good point. Um, But I I was looking for that opportunity for the tension to be resolved between us. And I truly believe that one of God's promises is that he sent Jesus to make things right. Whether it's with people here that are living or whether it's made by peace when people leave us behind. God sent Jesus to make things right. And I remember the last moment my mom woke up because she was in and out, I guess of a coma, really. They would never call it that, but I'm assuming that's what it was. And she woke up. We had done all the things. We had made all the plans. We had called people from overseas to do all the loose end work. And she woke up and she was coherent. And I said, Mom, what are you waiting on? Like, what do you need? Do you need to talk to somebody? Do you need to see somebody? Like, what do you need? I want to get it for you. Do you need to eat something special? And she paused. And she looked at me. And she said, I'm scared. And I said, Mama, she's she's 10 foot tall and bulletproof too. I said, why are you scared? And she said, because I don't know where I'm going to go when I leave here. God shows up to rescue us in the waiting room of our tension, even when we don't believe, and even when we doubt. And God gave Matt and I something that we had been longing for for a long time, and we don't deserve it. We didn't deserve any moment of it, but we were so thankful for it. And we got to look at her and we got to say, over the last two years, we have seen God transform you from the inside out. We have seen you show a love bigger than you have ever shown to the people around you. And it's okay. It's okay if you don't know where you're going when you leave here. But I do. We got to remind her in 2015 where she recommitted her life to Christ in our living room. And I remember thinking, God, why is she recommitting her life for like the 10th time? Like, how many times do we need? But we got to give her that moment in 2018 where we got to describe minute to minute what she said, how we saw her change, a light that came on inside of her. And I said, it's okay if you don't know where you're going. I know exactly where you're going. And it's going to be better than you can ever ask or imagine. And two days later, she was gone. God shows up in the waiting room of our tension to make all things right. When we think about our relationships, sometimes it's not a person-to-person reconciliation. Sometimes we just won't get that. But are you mindful of the peace that overwhelms you 
when you get to a place where God's trying to either tell you to stay firm or stay flexible, God shows up in incredible ways in the waiting room of tension. Are we aware of it? Last but not least, God shows up in the waiting room of promise and purpose. And this is where I think we all camp out together until we're on the other side of eternity together. We are all camping out for what God has next for us. And some of us may know exactly what is on the horizon for us. Maybe it's an anniversary, a birthday, a retirement party. Maybe it's the birth of a special child. Maybe it's celebrating the anniversary of the loss of a loved one. Some of us know exactly what's coming next for us. But then some of us have nothing definable on the horizon. How are you and I going to trust God is at work while we wait? I really hope these seasons help cue you, cue your mind and cue your heart that God is working even when we can't see it. A last scripture that I want to leave you with is Psalm 27, 14. And it says, wait for the Lord. Be strong and take heart. Wait for the Lord. You and I, we can get a lot right while we wait for God to do what he's going to do, even when we don't know when he's going to do it. Man, that can be frustrating sometimes, but man, doesn't he show up. But you and I can also get a lot wrong while we are waiting for God to do his work in our lives. How well do you and I trust God is at work while we wait? And so my prayer for this next 2019 for all of us is that we shift a little and we become a little different. And now I know different gets a bad rap sometimes because it's really easy for me to say, hey spouse, if you just do this different, I could probably wait for what God has in store for me a little bit better. Or hey, if my kids would just stop flipping out in the grocery store, I could wait for what God has in store for me a little bit more beautifully. If my friends would just understand me, if my coworkers would just get on the same page as me, maybe, maybe God, I could wait beautifully for what you have in store. But here's the thing about different. If we wanna expect anything, any change to happen around us, it has to happen within us first. So how can we shift that lens this 2019, this year? How can we say, what do I need to do different? God, show me what I need to do different in my marriage, in my parenting, in my friendships, in my professional life. God, show me what, is, what it is I need to do different. Maybe God's already shown you how to behave. He's got some work to do on me, but maybe he's already shown you how to behave. And maybe it's just something you need to keep doing. Or maybe there is something this next year for you to experience something different in your life that you need to stop doing. So in the fashion that we've done all month long, we're going to listen to a song. And I believe it is a great anthem that as we shift our focus on what can you do to help me out? What can I do? What can change in me? so that someone sees something different in me, so that maybe as I'm experiencing 
the Holy Spirit, others can experience it too. How can I be different? How can I trust you are at work while I wait? Just like Simeon and Anna. I want you to bow your heads and close your eyes, and then we're going to spend some time in reflection on all the things. What can I do different? What can I do better? What can I stop doing? What should I start doing? Let me pray for you. God, we just thank you so much that in whatever season of our life we are in, God, you show up. God, help us be in tune with where you do show up so that we can give you praise and glory. Because God, if we are sitting here online or at True Worth, I know for a fact you have shown up in big and mighty ways. And we expect you to do it again. So God, we know that you are calling us to be bigger than our reactions. You are calling us to respond to life in a way that radiates your love and your joy. God, give us the courage to do that. And let us never stop waiting for you to show up. set apart I don't need to recognize the man in the mirror I don't want to trade your plan for something familiar I can't waste a day I can't stay the same I want to be different I want to be changed to all of me is gone and all that remains is a fire so bright the whole world can see that there's something different so come and be in a pattern I don't want to gain this world but lose what matters and so I'm giving up everything because I want to be different I want to be changed to all of me is gone and all that remains is a fire so bright the whole world can see that there's something different so come and be different I want to be different I want to be changed so all of me is God and all that remains is a fire so There's something different, so come and be different in me.
to the church, to True Worth, to online viewers. You were made specifically for a beautiful purpose. Please don't forget that. We'll see you in the crossing and next weekend. Thanks for hanging out.